0: Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks, the podcast about all things sitcom. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And we will also have occasional interruptions from our producer Katie Storing. Hello. And she will be making sure that we don't get too high up the sitcom geek, uh, I don't know what, the uh, sitcom geek what? She'll be making sure that we don't get too high up our own sitcom backsides, yeah. I think. Mm. That's probably the only way of putting it. This is a podcast about sitcoms, writing sitcoms, the technical boring business of making sure your sitcom doesn't stink and today we're looking at larger than life characters and uh, this is something that I've uh, spoken to uh, Dave Kern quite a lot about and he's got... um uh, some theories about sitcoms and how they need larger than life characters yeah um,
1: I just want to say also that um, every time you have a theory there 's always somebody comes along and uh, especially in comedy and they 'll uh, prove your theory wrong, which is fine because that's uh, that 's how new things happen but let 's try and save time and prove yeah. it wrong now yeah yeah well cool. let's but let's, for the, for the moment though, I will stick to a working hypothesis. my hypothesis is uh, that uh, but really there are two types of sitcom. And uh, the two types are, there is the larger-than-life sitcom about one person, or there is the odd-couple sitcom about two people, uh, which is a fantastically simplistic way of putting it. Um, So today we're going to look at larger-than-life, and
0: for the the odd-couple two-people show we're going to look at on a future podcast, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: Cool. That's right. And um, it's, uh, at this point, I will mention uh, the ensemble uh, sitcom, like, for instance, Friends, which actually was uh, supposed to be about Monica and Joey, wasn't it? They were the, the original... Uh, Apparently so. I went uh, to
0: a workshop quite a long time ago where they had one of the early writers on the show and they all thought, this show is going to be about Monica and Joey. They are going to be the hot couple and they are I think that was the only <laughs> romantic <laughs> arrangement which didn't actually, <laughs> didn't actually happen yes in the whole in the whole 10 200. or 11 years of the yeah. show
1: yeah so um, so even the ensemble uh, sitcoms are not necessarily ensemble the, the it crowd is another one or the IT crowd which however you pronounce it uh, that that's got three larger than life uh, characters but again I'd think a show like that is an exception um, that proves the rule um so yeah characters who are larger than life i mean literally in, uh in the case of miranda which of course showed that you've you've written on uh, james and um you know literally metaphorically physically larger than life and I actually I, I often wondered when i was watching miranda if if there was something about the sets that they'd been made to look uh physically uh, a, a little bit smaller than your average set <laughs> so that she'd look even bigger because that's kind of that's such a kind of part of the whole Miranda
0: Well, weirdly, thing. I think in one sense, the, the, the joke shop or the shop that she had was, if anything, slightly bigger and nicer than I was imagining. I was always imagining something slightly smaller and more cramped. Mm. But certainly it helped that uh, Stevie, her best friend, mm. is considerably shorter yeah. uh, than Miranda is. Right. So that kind of did heighten the difference. Um, yeah. But actually, um, in that show, I think um, Penny... Um, and uh, Gary are actually quite tall uh, right. as well, but in her, but when she's on her own, in you know, with Stevie, certainly uh, that difference is quite accentuated. But yeah, in one sense, she is a larger than life character, and um, in a sense, she's someone who's always trying to fit in because she feels larger than life, you know, and so she's always uh, trying to, you know, and so yeah, the show is very much about Miranda, the clues, and the title she's in every single scene and when she leaves the room the scene is over right Um, so you know exactly what's what's
1: going on yeah yeah but uh, in terms of the character there you're mentioning that how you know she's always trying to fit in and and i mean it's it's it helps us doesn't it that that when we've got these sort of physical clues about someone not fitting in but that's kind of uh, in terms of going back to what we talked about when uh, what's, what's the show about and what's it really about. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's about someone who is an outsider, and that which is a very common uh, sitcom character, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sort of the fish-out-of-water yeah. sort of character. Um, and, there's yeah, there's a sense in which uh, Miranda feels like she doesn't really belong, and so she really tries hard to belong. I, mean, I think, and that's why of which I can take no credit at all. This is entirely Miranda's doing. She created this sort of character um, that I don't think we'd seen before. Um, and I think it was very popular because a lot of uh, people, women particularly, watched the show and thought, oh my goodness, this woman has seen into my head. Yeah. And a lot of men watched the show and thought, oh my goodness, I know someone exactly uh, like this. Right. Um, but you've got that fish-out-of-water character. And sometimes it works in a realistic situation like that, which it is comparatively. And other times, I mean, I've worked on a show called my hero where it's basically, Hey, I married an alien show Mm. and there are quite, you know, there is a proud heritage of alien shows. Mm. um, Going back to Mork and Mindy um, third rock from the sun. uh, My parents are aliens. And actually I had this idea a while ago as it was a joke. And then I just thought, I remember thinking, like thinking of a rubbish sitcom and called my stepmother is galadriel and then it was and then occasionally the more i thought about that the more i thought oh, maybe that is actually a show <laughs> where <laughs> a guy, you know, sort of meets the Queen of the Elves. She's sort of washed up on the beach and she hasn't sailed to the West with the Elves and now she takes her home. And I just thought, oh, that's, no, that, that's a show, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no. That way I Madness can, lies. Yeah, I think um, I think we can safely uh, put that one in the bottom drawer. Yeah, absolutely, that, that yeah. So right in one left.
0: sense you get the the characters who don't really belong... And then there's this other character, th- there's another type of character in one sense whose time has passed. Hmm. Um, and I was just thinking of a, a big example, an example of this, which was a really big show at the time, and it's not quite so well remembered, is To the Manor Born, oh, yeah. where oh, yeah. you've got Penelope Keith playing uh, Audrey Forbes Hamilton. Yeah. Is that right? Some, Double F on the Forbes uh, or something? Probably, yes. yeah. But she's someone who can no longer afford to live in the manor and right. has to live in the lodge and now a sort of a Robert Maxwell-type character has bought, hmm. but played by Peter Bowles somehow. I don't quite understand how that yeah. works, that he's some Czech multimillionaire or something. I don't quite understand it. But, um, but you've got someone who... Is a fish out of water in the sense of the water has
1: changed <laughs> or yeah, something? Yeah. It's that
0: it's that sort of yeah. she's now in a situation where she doesn't belong, where she used to belong. Mm. Her world has changed. I'm thinking.
1: You, I'm thinking also of uh, Reggie Perrin as a good yep. example of that as well. Somebody who's uh, like he 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 is us. He's the one sort of sane uh, person, but the world the world has gone mad. The world around him is completely mad, and everything is um. Sell, selling and, and uh, the superficiality of, of 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 life is completely uh, passing him passing him by really he, he, he's stuck in that uh, and then he's just just thinking
0: um laterally that character now you mention him like that I'm just thinking of Yozarian in Catch 22 right where you've got a yeah. character who's sort of standing up in the middle of the crazy world that we recognise yeah. as our world but yeah. going this is crazy. <laughs> Can't yeah. anyone see how crazy this is? Yeah, yeah, I suppose you get that then feeding into Mash and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, but yeah. that Reggie Perrin thing is, you know, is a really good example of he he represents us, and yet he is a fish out of water. Yeah. Because the world seems to be mad. I think yeah. that's a really clever way of thinking about it.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I, you. I mean, I, I always say larger than life, but I mean, they are also um, it's one step further to actually say well these characters aren't just larger than life some of them are like complete monsters really aren't they and uh, the, the monster is a, as, as a sitcom uh, character as the main sitcom character so.
0: yeah it's sort of I wonder if if it's, if it's two categories or one you know And I think it probably is two categories because you've got your larger than life character who is an accentuated version of us maybe mm. or an outsider or something but then there's the monster which is someone who's sort of just completely off the chain in terms yeah. of exaggerated or...
1: Hmm. Um, I don't know, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, who who are we thinking of in terms of monsters? Well, obviously David Brent is the uh, one who kind of springs to mind and kind of, I suppose, Alan Partridge uh, as in... Yeah, son of, you know, uh, I'm thinking... Father, godfather of David yeah, Brent.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking uh, Hyacinth Bouquet yeah. as a monster... I mean, is she larger than life, or is she a monster? I mean, I I, I would say she's a monster. She's yeah. she is absolutely deranged. Yeah. Um, and
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of an interesting. Mm. I and mean, Basil, what did you say, Basil Fawlty? Basil Fawlty. <laughs> he
0: probably is a monster. And, then, and then, well, you've you've sort of got Basil Fawlty, and you've also got Victor Meldrew. Yeah. And they're sort of mm, people who are driven to the edge mm. and are almost forced to behave like monsters. Right, and yet if you said to them you're a monster, mm. they they would they wouldn't understand. They would yeah. say, "Well, I'm I'm an entirely reasonable person." Yeah,
1: and maybe that uh, that so, and and I suppose if you include um, Larry Larry David, as in the the character played by Larry David in the in yep. Curb, they're they're the characters who they kind of um they they just don't have the sort of social um capabilities I'm, I'm wary of saying characters being on an autism spectrum but I mean there there is definitely a sense that these characters that we've discussed they have they don't have a, a self awareness do they they don't have an ability to uh, they don't have some social Communication skills.
0: I think I mean they? a good, really good case of that, where because it is a it is often quite a, a lazy thing to say, and you're right mm. to be right and to say that somebody's somewhere on the spectrum. Because mm. um, David Brent um, is a really good example of someone mm. who who isn't, but who who just has no self awareness mm. um, in a very very believable way. I think yeah. one of the reasons that show was so successful is because it mm. absolutely nailed a character that we really do recognise. Hmm. Um, so it is completely believable, and yet it, you know he really is an extreme uh, character.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a, a, an interesting thought. Really, when we say saying about you know the monster character, it's like it's you know well you think yeah you know, this is sitcom, it's telly, it's exaggerated, isn't it? It's not like real life, but actually you're right. There is a sense, isn't there, that that, that these people they're bit they are familiar to us, aren't they,
0: sometimes? Yeah, that's true, and, and that's because, you know, and I think that maybe that's one of the reasons that um, if you're starting out writing situation comedy, or even actually if you've been going a while, you you can sort of shrink from writing stuff that you think is cliched or over the top because it can feel a bit desperate or broad. But actually, I mean, in the in the first instance, your sitcom needs to be clear and understandable. The audience need to know... Who is the who are the main characters and what is, what are they trying to do? what are their points of view? what are they like and so you do need an instant recognizability which you which you get with David Brent in a way that doesn 't feel over the top or monstrous and that 's why I think it's probably mm. such a such an impressive show because you know you have other characters who are much more over the top like Hyacinth Bouquet. Mm. and you think, well no one 's really like that, but actually they are though i mean we, we all have. Every family has someone. I'm sure Katie has this, um, <laughs> where there is a member of the family who has just decided to be way posher than everybody else. Hmm. Um, that's my, me. Oh, that's you! <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the family are going, "Oh, yes, that's yeah, Katie yeah. She likes to be posh." Yeah. Um, my, um, my Katie, wa- the producer. She's a producer now. Ooh, yes. My um, my uh, my wife's. Family have a, had a great auntie who who died recently, aged about 107. Um, but she was much more well-to-do, I think, in terms of want just wanting to be like that. And I've you know I've got other relatives here and there who are sort of they've just decided to be like that. So when you actually stop and think about it, you think, well, these people uh, do actually exist. Um, and actually, mm-hmm. even the real monsters, the absolute monsters exist in real life too Mm. I mean you you get them as you know football managers you know Mm. Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho they are real people they actually existed um and you get that uh, particularly in sport you mean like Jeff Boycott Jeffrey Boycott my hero he's a hero (laughs) it's
1: my fault I was born into the Leeds and and uh just at the time that his uh, cricket career started, in fact, the first his first century, I remember, was like slow hand claps on his home ground. That was my <laughs> introduction to Geoffrey Boycott. Yes, he's a uh, he is a very good example. I mean, the other thing to to say about these people is yes. Uh, they they might be the famous people or or like you say people in your family you you think well that couldn't happen I mean you know surely that can't happen all the time but actually you're you're sort of asking for six incidents that happened in a year really aren't you absolutely six big events that you each of these things you turn into like one uh episode of your sitcom and actually in terms of what people are like that's i'm thinking of some of my relatives so i think six is (laughs) you know uh that's quite quite a modest number really isn't it absolutely so so i
0: mean so you've got all these people who are real i mean another great football manager and you there's a great film about him is brian clough
1: Mm.
0: so brian clough is is was real um and i'm I'm now moderately obsessed with the damned united Mm. um because it's just such a good film and you think this this yes. guy was actually like that. A lot of the stuff that he says, uh, uh, he, he really actually said. And you, you know, and you, you also get them on TV. You know, Gordon Ramsay mm. is real. Alan Sugar is real. Simon Cowell is real. And I know they're sort of televised versions of themselves, but you do get the sense that that they are like that, mm. and that's fine. And if you're writing a sitcom, you might want to write about something small and everyday. That's that's fine, but. I tell you what a monster will get you a heck of a long way very quickly um, because again the audience know who's it about and actually yeah. once you've established them they're, they're kind of they're rubbing their hands they're excited mm. about what this monster's yeah. going to do
1: next I, sorry, that just reminded me of a, a scene from Outnumbered, which I know is not your, your favourite sitcom, but there's a, a very funny uh, episode where a German exchange student comes to stay with them and they're, they're, he's watching telly with the kids and they're saying, uh, and he says, oh, you like comedy? Yes, he, he says, you like English? Yes, I love your English comedy. I like your guy. Uh, what's the guy? Ricky Gervais. Yeah, he's very funny. And he said, and that, and that other man, he's really funny, the the, the the blonde man. He plays he plays the, uh, the mayor of London, London, yeah, no no, 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 that's Boris Johnson. That's a real person. No, 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 no. He's com- comedy. He's got. He's a really funny. We love him. So funny. Um, well, there yeah,
0: you go. Yeah. Boris Johnson is, exactly. is, is is real, and that's why yeah. you know these satirical shows can often you know uh, sort of almost struggle to top the, mm. the, the 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 reality of it. It's hard to write stuff for Boris Johnson Absolutely. that isn't already <laughs> that he hasn't already actually yeah. said. Um, um, so uh so yeah and these 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 monsters, but actually, I think you had an interesting observation about them um about about how um about where they come from and how they originate
1: um well in terms of the um the, 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 the particular people i suppose uh, one of the things was, uh which which I, I think the sort of obvious monsters like brent and partridge and, and basil Fawlty, they are actually the guys right wrote them themsel- wrote those characters themselves i suppose, yeah. supposed to slightly to a lesser extent Miranda as well, but absolutely, I mean, those, yeah. Are, and and so, Mrs. Brown, yeah. you're
0: your, <laughs> another one of your favorites uh,
1: yeah. Well, I've, I've learned to love Mrs. Brown now, I've learned to <laughs> accept that you've learned that. to live with I've learned the to reality love, of a yes, world in which Mrs. Yes,
0: Brown indeed is the most successful comedy on UK
1: television yes, at the and moment, at the cinema and everywhere else in the books, whatever. But yeah, these are, um, so obviously, in terms of you writing your sitcom, you new, new comedy sitcom writers, you're kind of obviously, uh. Uh, unless you're also somebody who's playing a certain character live uh, and have nailed that character perfectly, and it's and it's you, um, then or an exaggeration of you, but that's probably not most of you. So, so you're going to have to kind of settle for somebody who's a bit like that or a bit like the some someone you know. Absolutely, yeah. but no, yeah. it is
0: interesting. Yeah, the number of the number of characters who are larger than life. Even going back, like um, uh, Adina from Ab Fab. Yeah. Um, and that you know, actually, quite a long way back, there's a lot of these monster characters are by writer performers. Yeah, And um, that's a really, really interesting observation.
1: I mean, that's another area that we we've, we we've, um, we have discussed at length before the the writer performer and the sitcom and uh, where that where that takes us. We, we, that's for another yes, another podcast, podcast I think. for that one. Yeah, yes, yeah. one th- the uh, scourge of the writer performer. Yeah, we'll call that no, no, no. We area, won't call yeah. it that one. Um, well, I mean, one thing that, um, it's worth thinking about when you're, when you are trying to think of these characters, um, is, um, is, is to think in cliches because although you don't you don't write in cliches but the reason that cliches are cliches is, is because they are basically shortcuts to uh instantly telling you something about a character so even though like, the phrase larger than life is a, a cliche isn't it but it, it tells you straight away something about that person uh, but, uh and then if you if you you're trying to find with your main character what, what what you're looking for is 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 whether it's like an outsider uh, as we we mentioned, um, or is your look what what is the big flaw? What is the thing that that makes them? Do the same things badly every yeah. week, and why, what makes us want to come back and see them and so you think about things like uh, he 's larger than life uh, he he thinks he 's it uh, she loves too much or you know yeah. so so you kind of when once you find those kind of if you if you can find one of those cliches mm-hmm. that hasn 't been done uh with a character you know basil faulty, he has ideas above his station. Mm-hmm. To, it's yeah, a, I mean, it's a really. Yeah. But I think
0: that brings us on to some extent to understanding your monster, um, because you know mm. we're gonna when we will go on to talk in a moment about a different type of comedy character. But whilst we're still on the monster, I think it's easy to just sort of create a monster and have them stomp around the place shouting at people. But actually, the the reason that our monsters are monsters is because they are pushed to monstrosity mm. because they think that they are misunderstood. And I think it's just working yeah. out. You know, there's loads more to be said on character, but asking what your character wants out of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your monster? What, why are they a monster? I mean, Victor Malju isn't a monster. He's really good at being angry, but actually the thing he hates most, which is an entirely reasonable thing, is he hates being overlooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the first episode, he's a security guard who is made redundant and replaced by uh, a box. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, there you go. You're now out of work. We've replaced you with a box. How do you feel about life now? Um, Basil Fawlty is another great example. You know, he, he is driven to demented comedy behaviour because he is a snob who wants to run a classy hotel. And he is unable to do that um, because he's not very good at running a hotel. And so, therefore, he's permanently cross with people because he's permanently cross with guests... Because they're the wrong kind of guests. Mm. He wants to run a classy hotel, but he doesn't have classy guests, and so he's apart, from,
1: apart from the one who turns out to be a common. Yes, that's right he, lord, you know he lord, fawns over lord. this man who's a
0: lord, <laughs> and then he was discovered to be yeah. a fraud.. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, but I think that's
0: another good question to ask, which is a, one that I've learned from you, Dave, where you say the world's worst. You know, mm. as, a, as a sort of, a, as a sitcom character, yeah. is the worst something in the world. Yeah. You know, it's another good way of thinking, yeah. especially if you've started with a situation or a setting or a place, you think, oh, let's set a hotel and set, set a sitcom in a hotel. Right. Who would be the worst person in the world to run a hotel? Mm. Um, they didn't need to answer. They didn't need to ask. John Cleese didn't need to ask that question because he just stayed in a hotel, which was <laughs> yeah. run by a guy who was completely overcranked, mm. um, and they sort of ended up with, yeah, with Basil Fawlty,
1: right. Um uh, And so, so, I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still prepared to stick with calling these people larger than life. I, I think, but but um, to, to to come on to to another type of larger than life character, and I think this is definitely something um post. Thatcher characters, I would say, um, and it's, that's... There you go, yeah. there's a larger than life
0: large character, yeah. Margaret Thatcher, Well, who yeah. was not fictional.
1: Yeah. No, that's true, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately um, for some. No, but, uh, <laughs> and in fact, I was reading uh, something, saying John Snow saying how he used to fancy her when he interviewed her, which is just kind of... <laughs> done terrible things to my head just putting all those that together um but uh, yeah the opportunist basically the character who's you know who's up for a, a the, the the chancer that you know the sort of that they're, they're they're kind of in it for themselves uh, and, and and all these characters were from the sort of the 80s and 90s really so you've got like um blackadder um, father's Ted. Del Boy, and actually also, uh, um, I've forgotten his name now, from uh, Minder. Um, the oh, pre- yes, George um, Cole. George Cole character, character yes, yes, that's right. right. Uh, and Arthur Daly. Arthur Daly, of course, how could I forget that? Um, you you mentioned Fletcher as well. Yeah. Thing. I think maybe he's, uh, I suppose, like you say, it's little victories more, well, but the, these other guys, these are... The, these are the he's an opportunist yeah.
0: in prison, yeah. so he'll make the most of any opportunity yeah. in prison. Yeah. So, you know, the one I watched the other day where hmm. it was, we're going to go and dig some ditches. He just thought, right, how can I turn this to my advantage? Yeah. And he manages to get a drink in the pub.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the, other, the other guys don't. Right. <laughs> but he yeah. does. He manages to borrow a pound off uh, Mr. Barraclough to go and get some ointment for somebody who sat on a bee or something. Right. And then he manages to get to the pub. And he also manages to get a free drink out of the vicar. Um, you know, as well, and that right, kind of stuff, okay, and then and then right. yeah. and then nicks the church warden's bike. <laughs> you know, it's that yeah. kind of. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's an opportunist.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the, 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 these um, chancer characters really. They kind of, uh, yeah, they. they um, he, he, I suppose, he, he is more of a. You know, he's sort of always looking out for God. But I suppose Delboys are always uh, looking out for Rodney as well. But yeah, I mean, there is very but much kind this, of, you know, it's a mix because he really. I think
0: Delboy really plays that brother thing both ways because he'll use the memory of their mum yeah. to justify anything that he himself wants to do, yeah. and will tell Rodney that it's for his own good, mm. whether it is or it isn't. Yeah. So, um, but again, it's a character that really evolves yeah. as as the you know as the years went by. Because yeah. early episodes, he's, he's almost a crook. Yeah. Um, isn't he? I mean, it is.
1: They're much kind of harder. for The original series of Only Fools and Horses uh, certainly feels less. I mean, there's much more kind of threat and sort of heavy, heavy yeah. sort of gangster kind of stuff. It's in the menace from, yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. And uh, obviously, as, it, as he develops as a writer, of course, John Sullivan and uh, the characters develop, and they, 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 they you, you can't keep that up that, that kind of level of, mm. of monster character up for so long. And so he becomes more sort of well drawn. But I mean, I think that, that, um, certainly Blackadder and Father Ted and Delboy, they all feel almost that they're all from a kind of very similar period and they all feel like they come out of that kind of, yeah. uh, you know, there is no such thing as society. It's all, you know, each, uh, everyone's in it for themselves. And that, that, that. So again, when you, when you're thinking about your, your monster character, what is it? as well about the kind of the, the the without being too specific and sort of nailing it to april or may 2015 you know what what is it about this specific character that makes them kind of of the, of the time hmm. yeah. and
0: i think um and i think this is uh, maybe why i'm slightly disagreeing with the fact that you think they're monsters or a, you know is a monster the same as a fish out of water hmm. probably not but um, are these people monsters? Here's, here's one observation that I sort of recently came to, which may or may not be true, is that there is a contrast between a monster and these characters because I think a monster is someone who is out of step with their surroundings and their times. So they're someone who is sort of raging against the world hmm. because they don't understand the world and the world doesn't understand them. Whereas I think... Um, so a monster can be a throwback to an old time, or actually a visionary of the future, you know, and a prophet in his own lifetime is not, you know, listened to. But an opportunist, an opportunist, I think, is someone who understands their times and understands the opportunities they can, you know. So I think, right. so I think, Fletcher and Dullboy and Father Ted and Blackadder, they do understand the times they live in. They just can't quite capitalize right. on yeah. it. Okay, maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, this is. Yeah. No. I mean, we're we're all, we're all more, pulling yeah. theories out of the air here, to be honest, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, yeah. But th- th- it is a matter
1: th- of degree, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I, I, we we sort of. I mean, it's it's a bit of a manufactured disagreement, really. I well, think, I don't, don't know. know. I mean, yeah. the, the,
0: the, but I think Del is a really interesting character because, again, going back to him, he really does reflect the times mm. of you know. So in the early eighties, or whenever he starts, mm. you know, there is that kind of menace to it. But then he really encapsulates the Thatcher dream you know this time next year we'll be millionaires Mm. you know and then he sort of ends up going through his sort of yuppie phase as well and his upwardly mobile and so there's a sense (laughs) in which he's always trying to get in with the times and work out what opportunities they bring him Mm. as opposed to you know a relic from a bygone era or or someone who's sort of you know I'm thinking of like Gordon Britas for example Who, let's be honest, was ahead of his time mm. because he foreshadowed the health and safety culture True. that we've now somewhat taken yeah. for granted. Um, but I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to pin a comedy theory yeah. on Gordon Britas. <laughs> Do not. Care but it's also—I
1: mean, one one thing we haven't mentioned, just 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 as we thinking about the various monsters. I mean, the the, the the obvious prototype monster uh was, of course, Alf Garnett, and. The interesting thing about that, and again, when you think about when you're writing your monster characters, Johnny Spate... Was uh, when he was writing Alf Garnett was really uh, thinking, you know, how horrible can I make this person? I really hate this person so much. I'm going to make the most disliked, despicable person in the universe. And the more horrible he made him, the more popular he became, and the more Alf Garnett became this kind of. You know, and, and for years and years afterwards, you know, he became the. I tell you what, was, who should be prime minister of this country? Alf Garnett. That's how he'd set the place right. I tell you. He's the only, only person who ever talked any sense at all, and you know, and, and Johnny Spate was totally thrown by this. He wasn't expecting this at all, and this character just became the most adored character. I, I suppose a sort of parallel would be the, the kind of fuss that's been about some Jeremy Clarkson in recent yeah. uh, weeks. And I guess
0: uh, you know, Al Murray, pub landlord to some yeah. extent, is that kind of hmm. that kind of character that sort of plays with all that yeah. stuff yeah. of what's acceptable and what isn't. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. so yeah I, I, it, there are so many ways to go on this but overall I think just to wrap things up a little bit hmm. there's an extent to which you really as a comedy writer need to poss- probably push things much further than you think you should or that you can because the audience really need to understand you know who your character is and they'll only really get that if you get a really strong sense of of who they are um, and so I, I you know in general i would urge you to start big and then maybe dial it down if you feel you have to mm. but in general i do, i i don't think
1: that you can you can start too big no no and as long as there's a sense that you you, you know um you we talk about how you know people you know if you know people who've done certain things or like we say if you use characters big big characters from sport or or just uh tv you've you've seen these things happen or katie's family or Katie in her yeah, case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just take, take that, exaggerate it a bit for comic effect and um, change just, the name. Yeah. Yes. That does help. Yeah. Um, and, and, and see where that takes you. And so that's, um, we, we, we'll, we haven't got on to, um, the, the sort of the odd couple at all yet. We'll talk about that in a, in another uh, podcast, but I think that's basically, that's your, Larger-than-life character. Absolutely. And um, if you any questions about this, uh, if you want if you want to uh, talk to us, or any questions about anything sitcom-related, uh, email us, and it's sitcomgeeks at com.
0: Great. So, um, before we wrap up, finally, uh, we're talking about what we're
1: watching at the moment. What are you yeah. watching at the moment? Well, we just finished watching Pompidou, which was uh, on at the uh, famous comedy slots of uh, songs of praise when normally it's on sunday early sunday evening on bbc2 on bbc2 BBC, BBC not even in the <laughs> no. um, not even in
0: the songs of praise slot no probably.
1: so uh, bizarrely uh, but but i mean a good 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 time because i watched it with with the kids and my, my kids absolutely uh, loved it and it's uh, the, this first week of not having it they were sort of completely bereft and they were forced to sit and watch country file um, <laughs> Fact, there is nothing wrong. No, there's nothing wrong. But when you're all hoping for pompity, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very much but, not yeah, the same. Matt, basically, Matt Lucas uh, playing a character sort of loosely based on the character he used to do in uh, a stand-up, uh, Bernard Chomley. But it's a, uh, it's more of a sort of character but a bit like Heussi- uh, not Heussi- a bit like uh, Audrey Fawkes Holson. Yes,
0: faded grandeur, isn't it? Fallen
1: on hard times, lives in the caravan at the bottom of the st- stately home with his, with his. Uh, with his man serve, faithful man and his faithful dog. And uh, it's a silent comedy, although there's lots of grunting. Mm. Very much, uh, very reminiscent of the uh, Ronnie Barker uh, Futtucks End. If you remember that, but uh, um, so um, it's probably but, still kicking around on iPlayer. for Yeah, a few yeah. Days. But it's great. Fant- the kids absolutely adored it. And um, I,
0: yeah, I, I I thought about showing it to my kids. who we were probably a bit too young for it. Yeah. I just watched it for my own enjoyment. I watched the first one and really enjoyed that. And I haven't got around to watching the other ones yet. But I yeah. certainly plan to do. Um, Katie, what have you been watching? Um, it's not that recent, but Series 6, Parks and Rec. Series 6? you I was going to go Parks and Rec 2, but you're a series yeah. ahead of me. I love it uh. so much. I'm Why do you me. love it so much? I just love Amy Poehler. I yes. love it. And I think I compare it to 30 Rock a lot, obviously, because of Tina Fey. But I think whereas 30 Rock went a bit wayward and a bit mad, Parks and Rec keeps it very tight. Like You really care about these people all the way through. Yeah. Even though they make significant life changes and character changes. You yeah. just care so much.
1: And it's it's a small world, isn't it? But they manage to every episode that I, I've, I've I'm sadly I watch it on bbc four or BC two, so I sort of pick up episodes here and there randomly. But every time I've watched it, it sort of goes. Their the, the main characters uh, are put in put themselves or are put in serious jeopardy every episode. It's all it's completely believable, it's just and cool. yet
0: yeah, they are actually larger than life characters. In yeah. fact, all of them are larger than life. You know, I think, um, obviously, Leslie Nope is, you know, is really over the top in some ways, as is, you know, my favourite, obviously, Ron Swanson. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, again, if you worry too much about that, you really don't need to, because as the episodes progress, they are humanised every single time. Even, even stone cold libertarian Ron Swanson mm-hmm. is actually a, a very warm hearted friend to Leslie and gives her really good advice. Whilst trying to pretend like he really doesn't care, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm serious behind you. So maybe this all goes out the window. But um, no, 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 I suspect no, it, no. it doesn't. It's pretty, yeah. Um, consistently, yeah. Consistently yeah, so good. it is consistently good. I've also been watching. It's not quite in the same class, but I still just watch uh Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, it's just, it's just funny every week. Yeah, and makes me laugh. And I don't really I don't really analyse yeah. it too much. Although occasionally, I. <laughs> This is how pathetic I am. Occasionally, I just think, "Oh, that's not a very good storyline. I could have, ri- I could have written that one." Because <laughs> normally things are so good, you think, yeah. "Oh my goodness, why do I even bother?" Yeah. But with that, with one or two, you just think, "Hey, I could do one that's not quite as good as the others. <laughs> Maybe I could write for Brooklyn Nine Nine one day." Yeah. Um, but no, thank,
1: uh, thank you for uh, alerting me to that show, which I hadn't heard of at all, and then I, I watched it on your recommendation yeah. and it is great. it's, it's Kind
0: of scrubs in a police station. Yeah. Um, but, you know, slightly slightly different. But it's got that pace mm-hmm. and that playfulness, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah which is yeah. which of, is really good. And again, lots of larger than life characters. Um, even though it's not an audience show. And when we we'll talk about audience shows and non audience shows. On a future podcast. Mm. Um, but uh, that's a really good example. Another good example. As Parks and Rec. As is Parks and Rec. Yeah. Just joke, 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 joke. Yeah. You can still have the same intensity and the same funny. But, you know, without uh, the studio audience. Although, for me, I, I love a studio audience. Um, so, we are hey. wrapping things up. Um, yeah. That was today's episode. Um, we have been thinking about lives and life characters. And all that. Don't forget, you can email us at sitcomgeeks at gmail.com uh thank you to katie story our producer and to rushforth media for hosting this podcast and recording and hopefully we'll um i was going to say we'll hear from you next time but of course we don't hear from you uh, you hear from us but again if you want to uh tell us what you're thinking then email us at sitcomgeeks at gmail.com thanks very much thank you dave thank you thank you katie bye